Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning. It is a, a privilege, um, an honor, and, and I, even this week, this third week of Advent, it is a joy to be with you this morning. It's a joy to be bringing you God's Word as we continue on in our Advent series. I don't know if you've, if you've kind of picked up on it, uh, but been working through kind of an Old Testament lens as we journey towards the birth of Christ. And along the way, we've been looking at um, a a passage at the beginning of Matthew that um, I think for most people, if you're doing a, if you're reading through the Bible in a year or you're doing your Bible study, usually like just blow through this passage, this, this genealogy of Christ. But what we're seeing is there are so many stories, unexpected stories of God using um, ordinary people to accomplish his work. And, and today is no exception. I, I don't know about you, like I said, we're, I think we're like two weeks away from Christmas Eve. We're halfway through Christmas. Have you gotten to do the, like, your Christmassy thing yet? Have you started baking cookies yet? Anyone baking cookies? We had cookies start rolling out in our house this weekend. Snow day, that was perfectly timed. uh, So we could get the the crinkle cookies and those pretzel rods. You know what I'm talking about? So good. Um, We got the tree up, Christmas lights, the decorations, everything's looking good. Have you gotten to watch your movie yet. Turn to someone next to you and just say like, man, if I got to watch one movie this December, this is it. Did I hear someone just say die? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Home Alone. There you go. You know, in, in my house, now I, I grew up in a house, uh, I grew up with, uh, in a house run by my mother who is a unabashed fan of musicals. And so from an early age, I was taught that musicals are, are the best movies, okay? And, and so for, in my house, it was the movie White Christmas. Have you seen White Christmas? Yeah. Right, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rose, right? I'm, I won't go there. Anyway, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll reach low for that. Uh, White Christmas, that, that was our movie. Now, I know for some of you, and maybe you didn't just admit it right now, I know for some of you, it's not Christmas 
unless there's at least one Hallmark Christmas movie, right? There we go. We played a game a couple weeks ago in youth group of, of uh, here's an outrageous like movie uh, plot uh, premise, and you had to guess if it was a real Hallmark movie or not. And, and I think our students figured out if it sounded so outrageous, it was totally true. It was like, that's the Hallmark movie. Well, today, I guess if there's anything in the Bible that's as close to a Hallmark Christmas movie, that's the passage that we're studying today, right? So yeah, buckle, if you're like, man, I haven't gotten it in, <laughs> Crystal's like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're in for a Hallmark Christmas sermon today. Uh, and, and normally I'd say, hey, let's, we're going we're gonna to go to a certain uh, a chapter and verse in the Bible. But today we're actually going to look at an entire book of the Bible, okay? We're looking at an entire book of the Bible and still be done um, before lunchtime. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to be looking this morning at the book of Ruth. Now, Ruth, um, a little bit of a spoiler alert, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing. Ruth fits into this uh, genealogy, this, this ancestorship of Christ um, in, in maybe one of the most unexpected ways and certainly uh, was not expected by her. So this is what I would encourage you to do. Instead of having to put every single verse in the book of Ruth up on the screen, uh, I want to kind of work through the story with you. If you have your Bibles with you, this is a perfect Sunday to bust those out. We're going to be kind of flipping through. If you want to, hey, if this is the Sunday that you, you, you put Bible Gateway on your phone and you want to follow along, just see where we're at in the story. This is a great, uh, this is a great Sunday to do that. But before we jump in, let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to study under your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to just stop and pause and rest and hear what you have to say to us today. God, Christmas and December can be so hustle, bustle, busy. And for some of us, and, and there's parts of it that we, we really enjoy that. But God, just for a few moments on a Sunday morning, would you quiet our hearts to receive your word, to receive the good news of Jesus for us today. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want, this is where we want to start the story. There, there are kind of three main characters in the story. The first one is a woman named Naomi. Naomi is married to a man named Elimelech. And you're going to see, by, again, just maybe if it's foreshadowing, you say, hey, this is foreshadowing. But you're going to hear things in the story that you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I see how this connects to Christmas a little. So Naomi and Elimelech are from a little town called Bethlehem. Now, this is hundreds of years before Christ was born. And at that time in Bethlehem, they were going through a great famine. Nothing to eat. People are starving. And Elimelech and Naomi decide that their prospects fare better if they move. And so they leave Bethlehem 
their two sons, and they move to the land of Moab. And there, it, it kind of works out for them a little bit. Uh, they, they prosper. Their, their boys uh, both find Moabite uh, women to marry. Now, one of these women, her name is Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah. And the second woman is a woman named Ruth. Life's going along for these three couples until Elimelech passes away. Naomi becomes uh, a widow. And a little time later, and it, it, we don't know why they, why they died, but both of her sons die too. So this group of six becomes this group of three widowed women. They have to come up with a plan. And Naomi said, what Naomi, Naomi figures out is this, is that her best shot, she doesn't know anyone else in this land. She came, she tried Moab. It kind of worked. It kind of didn't. It's time to go home. It's time to go home to Bethlehem. So she has this conversation with her daughters-in-law. Now her daughters-in-law are kind women, loyal women, women who love their mother-in-law. And they have this conversation where Naomi basically says, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. You guys don't have, like, you're young women. You haven't had children yet. You're still eligible to, to, to be, become wives again and to become mothers. Don't throw away your life for an old woman like Naomi. She tells them to go back, uh, go back to your homes. Uh, go back to, I believe the, the verse says, go back to the home of your mother and, uh, and start your life again. Orpah and Ruth, they, they don't take the offer right away, right? They're, they're kind-hearted women, and they're like, no, 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 Naomi, we love you, we're here for you. And you can see, right, the, the scene in our Hallmark Christmas movie this morning, you see this, this loving, tender scene where Naomi's like, no, you, you have to go. Orpah takes her up on it. Orpah walks over to her, gives her mother-in-law a kiss on the cheek, and says goodbye. But Ruth, the Bible says this, is that Ruth clung to Naomi. And maybe if there are, are verses in the book of Ruth that people, um, that people quote all the time, it would be this one. Where Ruth looks at her mother-in-law in the eye and she says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. For your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And again, I mean, you can just see the scene in your mind, tears in their eyes. Naomi sees this affection from her daughter-in-law. And, and the next verse says, Naomi, seeing Ruth's determination, says no more. They are now linked. <clears throat> they are now linked for life. 
So they go home. They go home to Bethlehem. But these are two widowed women, remember, with really no means of, of income. They need to figure something out. So what they decide to do what is uh, what a lot of poor people would do in, in this situation. Bethlehem uh, being an agricultural area, um, an area that was growing a lot of barley and wheat. I'm from Western North Dakota, so I mean, in my mind, they're going home to Minot, but I don't know if it looks, it probably looks different. But what they would do is this, is that at harvest time, the threshers would go out into the field and not using 21st century modern farm equipment, they would go and, and, and harvest the wheat by hand. And there'd be groups of men that would go out and they'd kind of do the first sweep. And then uh, there would be groups of women that would follow after them, right? Now in my house, when I have to go like look for something, I go and do the first sweep and then I miss a lot of it. And then my wife follows after me. He's like, hey, I found your keys. Here's your sunglasses. Did you need this? Right. Okay, so this is historical. The men missed a lot. The women followed behind. Too kind this morning. And then what would happen is that there would be groups of people, of poor people that would follow behind them. That if there was anything, they were hoping just a little bit was left on the ground or on the stock, just enough to, to go home and, and um, roast some grain or bake some bread. This is what Ruth decides. She's going to go out and, and honor her mother-in-law. She's going to go out and try to get some, some grain this way. Now, it, it works out in kind of a special way, in a kind of a Hallmark Christmas movie way, that Ruth ends up in the field owned by a, by a man named Boaz. Boaz would be a, a wealthy man. He's, he owns this farming operation. And he comes kind of in the middle of the morning, and he sees, you can you imagine, you see all these people out in these fields all threshing and he comes up to the manager of the field, and he says to him, he's like, hey, um, who's, that, who's that woman working, uh, gleaning behind the groups of, of women? Something about her has caught Boaz's eye a little. And the manager kind of relates. He says, yep, that's, uh, actually, you, you've probably heard of her. Her name is Ruth. You, have you heard about this Moabite woman that has come to take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi, has, has forsaken her life to come and care for her? And Boaz, it's like kind of triggering because this, this story has gone around in the community. Oh, yeah, that woman. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the manager says, Ruth came and asked me today, man, can I follow behind the groups of women to, to glean from it? And so Boaz goes and, and talks to Ruth. They have their first encounter, okay? I think in Hallmark movies, they call this a meat cute or a cute meat. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, uh, but they have, the, they have the moment. They lock eyes. And Boaz goes and introduces himself. And this is what he says, he says to Ruth. He says, you know, actually what you should, you should really consider doing is, you know, follow that group of women. I think it's going to, you'll have a little better luck. I think you're going to get a little more if you follow that group of women. Oh, and by the way, if you get thirsty, like, don't worry about trying to find water. I have, uh, I have vessels of water. I got, I got the jugs of water here. You just help yourself. 
and he shows this kindness to Ruth. And Ruth is floored. And Ruth says, why are you showing me this kindness? And he goes, I've heard about you. I've heard about you. I've heard about your kindness. Your kindness to Naomi. So he sets her up in the morning. Comes lunchtime. It's time to eat. Like we've got, we've got bread. We've got, we've, you can look at the verse. We've got stuff to dip it in. Like we've got a spread going here. And he invites Ruth to come and eat with him. Says that they have this roasted grain and all stuff. Ruth, who had nothing when the morning started, is now having lunch with Boaz, and she, he is feeding her to the point where she is full. She can't eat anything more. Take home to Naomi later. That's how much kindness Boaz is showing her. Now, this should come as no surprise to you. If, if, the, if this is, unless this is your very first Sunday ever hearing a story from the Bible, it should come as no surprise to you that when God shows his kindness to us, he goes above and beyond our expectations. Throughout this entire story of Ruth, we see time and time again that Boaz is this image of the Christ to come. In, in Bible study terms, they would say that Boaz is a, is a type of Christ. He's this, he's this signal of, of a redeemer, of a savior to come by his actions to to Ruth in this story, we see this one-way loving kindness being directed maybe towards someone like us. And it should come as no surprise to you that with all of this kindness, Boaz actually takes it one step further. He says this, you know what, this, this afternoon, instead of like following the groups of women, why don't you go out with the, with the men? I've instructed them, you're going to be safe. They're going to take care of you. And you just start harvesting wherever you want. Get the first crack at the good stuff. Well, it works out so well for Ruth that the Bible says that she comes home with three-fifths of a bushel of wheat. And in my calculations, that's something like 25 pounds of wheat. Boaz is not just helping her bake bread that day. I mean, it is, the gift that he gives is so mind-blowing. He's giving her the gift of, of being able to sell that and, and, to, and to have money for her and Naomi and to get this, this boost in their, in their new life. His kindness is amazing in the story. So we cut to the next scene. Ruth comes home and she cannot wait to tell Naomi. I actually don't know who is more excited, Ruth to tell the story or Naomi is like, I cannot wait to hear what happened today. But they have this conversation. Ruth informs her of all of the things that this man had done for her today. And Naomi asks, what, what's this man's name? She says, well, his name is Boaz. And Naomi just lights up and she goes, oh yeah, Boaz. Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. This, this phrase, this kinsman redeemer, really only happens in this story, in, in Ruth in the Bible. We hear about redeemer throughout the scripture. But this idea of a kinsman redeemer, 
it's gonna, the kinsman part's gonna reveal itself a little later in the story, but he's a redeemer. He's, he's a member of the family that it has been called upon to uh, pay debts uh, for widows, uh, who are, for women who have lost their husbands. It, it's this kind of high role of one-way love. And Boaz is a redeemer for Naomi and for Ruth. So Naomi hatches a plan, right? This is not good enough that Boaz and Ruth would be friends. Naomi's like, no, no, no. They need to be way much more than friends. We're going to set them up. So Naomi says this. Naomi says, all right, Ruth, this is what's going to happen. They've brought in all the grain, and it's time to, to separate the wheat from the chaff, to go to the winnowing floor and, and prepare this grain and, kind of, and see uh, to see how Boaz did, right? See the financial gain that Boaz did. It's, it's kind of a celebratory time. It's different than working out in the field. Um, they're doing this. There's food and there's drink and there's music and, and all of this. And Naomi says this, Ruth, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get all cleaned up. You're going to smell pretty. You're gonna, but you're going to put on a, a, a cloak. Don't let anyone know who you are just yet. And the plan is this, is that at, uh, when night falls and it's time to go to bed, wherever Boaz is sleeping, what you're going to do, Ruth, is you're going to go and you're going to uh, lift the blanket up over his, expose his feet, and you're going to lie down at the foot of the bed, at, at his feet, to kind of show this, this sign of, of reverence and, and gratitude and, and, and all of it, okay? So that's what she does. Bible says in, in Ruth chapter 3 that um, they go, and it says that Boaz, uh, after he had ate and drank and was merry, he goes to bed. He goes to bed by the, uh, by the pile of grain, and Ruth does what she's instructed to do. She goes, she lifts up the blanket, she lays down at his feet, and at about midnight, Boaz wakes up, and he kind of wakes up to this surprise. He's like, uh, who's this? Uh, this is not how I went to bed last night. And, and Ruth wakes up and says, uh, I am Ruth, your servant. He show, she, uh, she's showing this sign of gratitude to Boaz, um, here, sorry, let me catch up on my text here. I am Ruth, your servant. Oh, and then she says this line. Again, another example of foreshadowing in this book. She says this. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now... My daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true, I am a redeemer. If there is a redeemer nearer than I, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Now go back to bed. What he's setting up, well, a couple of things that's happening there. 
Boaz, if you're not catching it, Boaz is head over heels for Ruth, right? They're in love. But Boaz is, Boaz is a man of character, of high morals. And, he's, and in the tradition of this, there's a, there's a, a, there's a progression of who gets to be the redeemer first. And he says, there's someone who is more closely related to your family. He gets the first crack. Um, some uh, doing some study in it, it seems like it would be it would have been Ruth's father-in-law's brother, who would have been a closer relation than than Boaz. And he gets the first crack. If he wants to, if he wants to be your redeemer, he gets to do it. But if not, Boaz is like, don't worry, Ruth. It is gonna be me. They are so in love. She goes back to bed. They wake up the next morning. She she gets up kind of early to, um, and and Boaz sends her back with a bunch of wheat. Sends her back to Naomi to kind of tell what happened that night. Ruth goes and 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 tells the story to Naomi. And Naomi, I mean, like Naomi knew all along, right? Mothers-in-law, right? They're smart. They know. She knew what was happening all along. She says to Ruth, she says, Ruth, don't worry. For this man is going to find a solution today. We're going to know today. So it sets up the climax of our movie. Are Boaz and Ruth going to end up together? Or is there going to be a, a twist? Is someone going to thwart this story? Okay. Now, I've seen some Hallmark Christmas movies. There's always a twist. What's going to happen? So we get to the climax of the movie. And Boaz, he goes and he finds this relative who's the, the closer redeemer. And he, kinda, he sets him up over here. And he goes and gets the elders of, of the town. And he, and he sets them up over there. So everything is it's public. It's out in the open. Everything's above board. Boaz is going to leave this uh, in somewhere, leave it up to fate a little bit, okay? So he brings the guy and he says, he says, hey, you are a redeemer to this family. Do you want to have the opportunity to purchase this land that was Naomi's husband's, right? We're talking about the ancient world. Naomi didn't own this land. This was her husband's land. Her, her name is kind of attached to it, but it's it's not an ownership thing. It's not, it's not a view of women that we share in modern culture. And he offers to this redeemer, he says, do you want to buy this, this land? And this redeemer's like, well, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. I can use some more land. And then Boaz says, yeah, but here's, here's what comes with that land. Is everything that was Elimelech's, including this young woman to be a wife, named Ruth. And it seems like when that guy hears like, oh, I got to get married, um, he's out. He's like, ah, I, the Bible says he, he doesn't want it to interfere with his inheritance. He's got other plans. Ruth is not in his plans. And so the, the, the man who could stand in the way of all of this steps aside and Boaz, and he actually, he even offers it to Boaz. He says, you know, Boaz, man, it would it'd make a lot of sense if you were the redeemer in this situation. 
And Boaz does not hesitate. He's like, yep, I will gladly do that. And I will gladly make this woman, Ruth, to be my wife. I will redeem it. The day you buy, uh, this is here. Um, so yeah, so they, they make this transaction. Uh, Do you ever make a, you ever make a trade like when you were a kid or you make a deal with someone and you do the like, you spit in your hand and do the handshake? No? Okay, that was just us. Uh, <laughs> just thought I'd check. What they did in this time to, to seal the deal, I, I think this is hilarious. What they would do to kind of seal the deal here is each one of them would take their sandal off and like trade it with the other. I don't know if you, I don't know what, yeah, I had to do some more learning on that one. I don't know if like what happens if they're the wrong shoe size. Do you keep the sandal? But that's what they would do. This sign happens. They make it official and Boaz and Ruth are to be married. It all works out in the end. The elders of the village are, are excited. They, they know, right? They know their history. They're Israelites. If there's anything that Israelites know is they know their history really well. And they know that the kind of the mothers of the nation of Israel were two foreign women, two outside women by the name of Rachel and Leah. And they blessing to Ruth and to Boaz and they say Ruth we hope that you you shine in honor just as Rachel and Leah did so we get to the end of chapter uh, 4 Boaz and Ruth they get married and then Ruth gets pregnant she's going to have a baby this woman who when she makes this commitment to her mother-in-law knows that she is throwing her life away. At least in her eyes, she's throwing her life away. She knew that life was, prospects of getting married, prospects of becoming a mother are done. But God worked out something good here for Ruth and she becomes a mother. Verse 14 of chapter four says, then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life comes from the same word as redeemer and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And, and grandma Naomi takes the child, lays him on her lap and becomes the baby's nurse. And the women of the neighborhood give him a name saying a son has been born to Naomi and they name him Obed. We all know Obed, right? It's okay, I don't know Obed either. This is what Obed becomes famous for, though, is this. Right? We started off saying, as we look at the genealogies of Christ, the way that God had worked out through history this line of unexpected people in unexpected places, all threaded into God's story, comes this baby 
Obed. And Obed, he grows up and he becomes a father. He, father, he has a child named Jesse. Jesse grows up and has a bunch of boys. And one of them is named David. He becomes king of Israel. And we see how God worked through this Moabite woman. And, and, and actually, I kind of I buried one of the key parts of this too. Because we, we see the line go from Ruth and Boaz. But if we see the line go up, go to who Pastor Jay preached about last week. Because you see, Boaz's mother was Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, who was faithful to what God called her to do. And her family gets saved, and she marries, uh, she marries an Israelite, has this boy named Boaz, and the story goes on. And as they say, the rest is history. But the rest is history all pointing to Christ. And if there's something that I could leave you with this morning, it would be this. If we could put verse 14 back up, how all of this ties together, how, how God is, was in control of it all, or to, or is this thought. We see that Boaz was the redeemer for Ruth. But Jesus is the, is the more true and better Boaz. Because Boaz was a redeemer to one woman, but Jesus is the redeemer to all of us. Here's the promise, my friends. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day, today. He has not left you without a redeemer. We are not without hope this day. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. My friends, what I want to say to you is this, is that our, we know who our redeemer is. We don't have to go out and find him. He came and found us and his name is Jesus and he loves you. We said it at the beginning of the service and I say it to you now, if you hear nothing else today, I hope you hear that you are loved you are loved more than Boaz loved Ruth. You are loved so perfectly and completely and in this one way that God is not disappointed with you, but he loves you and who you are. He loves you so much. And this day, my friends, we are not left without a Redeemer. And his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful grateful, humbled. You are our redeemer. You pay for our, our debts. You pay for our sins. You are faithful to us. We are so awed by that, so thankful for that. God, would you impress upon our hearts today just how much you do love us. May it be a lesson that is not quickly forgotten, but may we walk out of here this morning heads held high, firm in our identity in Christ the Redeemer, the one who saved us all. Thank you, Jesus. 
Amen. If you're able, I invite you to stay.